momentarily. This puck, Brett Howden didn't get far with it. Here's a break for Jack Hughes. In, shoots, he scores! Oh my, Jack Hughes catches the Rangers in a line change. Now the Rangers turn the puck over and their defense was making a change. That's why it was wide open. That's why Hughes is all alone. And there you see the fabulous hands in the first chance against Lundquist. Hughes scores to make it one nothing. What a move. You know, looking at this power play. And that's the Hughes. Hall shoots. He scores! Tanner Hall, 12 minutes into his preseason, doubles the Devils' lead. And goes shelf to give the Devils a 2-0 lead. Look at Jack Hughes, look at the vision. He backs up the Ranger penalty killers. And he finds Taylor Hall streaking down the left side. And watch this wrist shot up top over the glove of Henrik Lundqvist. Doesn't look nervous anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what you just heard in the intro was Jack Hughes making a sick play in the Devils preseason. Um, it's only preseason, so we don't want to get too hyped. But Jack Hughes looking good. Caught a little bit of Vancouver and L.A. last night. A little weird, Vancouver and L.A. played in Salt Lake City, Utah last week. Huh. Or last night. I don't know who's... It's the Utah Grizzlies stadium or arena. I don't know whose affiliate that is, but a little strange. But anyways, I was watching Quinn Hughes in that game. He looked pretty good, too. So, should be a fun season for the Hughes brothers. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to our first edition of Healthy Scratches Hockey for the 2019-20 season. Um, how's it feel yeah. to be back? It's definitely exciting. I just spent a week at the beach and got a little time just to sit back and watch some hockey. Um, definitely a lot of news was rolling in this past week, as we mm -hmm. said in the previous podcast of the last episode of the Summer Series. That there was a lot of yeah, yeah. There, there was a lot of players that were need to be signed, and, uh, and we we're going to wait until a lot of news happened. And here we are. So the biggest news of all, we'll start off the podcast. Maybe it's not the biggest to everybody, but it is the biggest in the media, of course. Mitch Marner resigns with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Six-year deal, $10.8 million AAV for Marner. So the Maple Leafs now with Marner under contract have Marner, Tavares, Matthews, and Nylander essentially counting for $40 million. So basically half their cap is tied up in these four players. Um, Marner kind of signed in what kind of seemed like an attempt to regain some good publicity for the player. There was a lot of reports coming out in the days before he signed about how much money he had turned down, reports of him turning down $11 million for seven or eight years. Obviously, Marner didn't really seem to want a long-term deal. He wanted to go straight to UFA. Um, but the Leafs get it done, so just thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great deal for the Leafs and for Marner, too. But 10.8 AAV for a player that's playing at the top of the league right now, mm -hmm. it's, it's a great deal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely excited to see what they've got going on. Like you said before, that's four players now tied up to around $40 million in cap space. So that is a lot of money for four core guys. Mm -hmm. So they just have to build kind of depth pieces, kind of cheap. Yeah, know? yeah, definitely. And I think their window, I mean, we talk about windows changing, how fast they open, how fast they close. But for the Leafs, it almost seems like this year is their window because right. Jake Muzzin's going to be up. Tyson Berry's going to be up. You look down the road, Frederick Anderson isn't too far off from his deal ending. Same with Morgan Riley. So it's going to be important for them to capitalize on this year. They have to at least get out of the first round, you would think, this year. And Like we said before, I mean, I think there's a good chance they do make out the first mm -hmm. round this year. They yeah. are one of the stronger teams in the Eastern Conference roster-wise. Yeah. I mean, 
Who knows? Yeah, they're top four D now since they brought in Barry. I mean, we discussed this on the summer series, but you know, Barry, Riley, Muzzin. Once Dermot gets healthy, like that's a strong top four to have for the time being. I think beyond that, they're going to have to look for kind of the way that the Penguins did when they were winning Stanley Cups, kind of look for cheaper options to build around your core guys. And I think it's difficult to have so much money tied up into four forwards. Granted, two of them are centermen that can score 50 goals. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, with those two, you kind of get a pass. But um, it's going to be interesting for the Leafs going forward as Rook's cat makes some noise in the background. Um, So beyond the Maple Leafs, a lot of RFAs all around the league signed. Um, we'll go to the Leafs' main rival, the Boston Bruins. They do get Charlie McAvoy and Brandon Carlo under contract. McAvoy, seemingly on a bargain deal, uh, he signs for an AAV of $4.9 million, which is pretty good. I mean, you consider Absolutely. how established yeah. he is. That's yeah. a bargain deal for the Bruins. And, I mean, the Bruins overall have had that kind of a lot of their guys in their core. I mean, granted, guys sign at different times of the year, so you never really know. Like, you can't compare a contract this year to a contract four years ago, but... Bergeron is on a good deal. Marshawn's on a good deal. Pasternak is on a pretty good deal. And now McAvoy and Carlo come in on pretty good deals, too. Yeah. So they, Boston's been doing a great job of getting these guys pretty cheap. And, uh, yeah, it's a great deal for McAvoy. Um, see what they can do with it. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting because at some point he's obviously going to get paid. Um, a lot of the RFA defensemen kind of took like what seemed like bridge deals. But McAvoy signed for three years in the final year of his contract is worth $7.3 million. That's so, still team-friendly. Yeah, which it is, but he's going to want to raise after that. So Absolutely. it's going to be interesting to see what they do there. Um, as we mentioned, they also get Brandon Carlo back. Um, looking at another defenseman, the one who kind of set the market seemingly, was Zach Wierenski. Signs back with the Blue Jackets for a three-year deal, $5 million AAV. And similar to McAvoy, his final year is $7 million. So they're going to have to... Hit him above that when he yeah. comes back. So this one's still like a little bit more surprising because it is just a three-year deal for mm. Warinsky. It seems like, I don't know, I was expecting them to go long-term with him because yeah. he is still young and he's already one of the top four or five defensemen in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, still another relatively cheap deal for a stud defenseman, five AAV. Um, so, yeah, what do you think? Uh, I think it's a really good deal. I mean, they're like like we said, like they obviously lost a lot of key pieces this summer, but their defense remains their strong suit. Wierenski, Jones, excellent top pair. You know, Murray, Savard, they, they're they a solid second mm-hmm. pair. I mean, they have options on D. It's not like they're awful on D. They have a lot of established players, so it's going to be really good for them. Um, we'll go to the two that are making you the most happy and that the Flyers signed Travis Konechny and Ivan Provorov. I'll let you talk about this. What are your thoughts on these deals? I think they're great deals. Um, six years for both guys. Um, I don't have the numbers pulled up right now, um, but I know they're relatively team-friendly as well. Um, but these are two of the core guys on the Flyers teams, two of the guys that have produced the most over the past three years since they've entered the league. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a great deal. One's a winger that plays on that top line with Giroux and Couturier, and then another guy is your number one defenseman. So I think it was key for the Flyers to get them and get them locked in long term. I know it was kind of raising a concern that Provorov signed about a week ago, and then it was kind of like days were going by where it's like, all right, what's happening with Konechny? There wasn't really much news surrounding like any negotiations, and then just like that, he signed a six-year deal. Yeah, I think the Flyers kind of got looked over like in terms of the RFAs. Like people kind of forgot about that. And again, like it's easy to forget like about a lot of these RFAs because there were so many of them at once. 
Um, but looking at the exact numbers, Provorov has 6.75 AAV roughly, and Konechny 5.5 AAV. So really it, good numbers for yeah, both. Yeah, it, it is good numbers, and also they shelled out more money than kind of you see that like a Warnski got a five mil AAV and a 6.7 for Provorov. Yeah. So I mean the Flyers dishing out the money, but they know that they need to keep these guys in house for the next six, seven, eight years. Yeah. Um, another one that signs, Brock Besser, back in Vancouver, three-year deal, 5.8 AAV. Um, really good deal for the Canucks. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be a really solid player for them. So they have him on a bargain deal. They still have Elias Pettersson on an entry-level deal. Um, Canucks overall don't have a lot of big cap hits. I don't think they have anyone making $7 million or above, if I remember that stack correctly. So the Canucks have a lot of... But it's it's amazing because the Canucks are up against the cap. So right. they have a lot of money shelled out to a lot of guys who maybe are average players or who have the perception of being average players. A $5 million deal, $6 million. Mm-hmm. Um, Besser comes back, as we said, 5.8 AAV. Um, but his final year, similar to the other RFAs, $7.5 million. And this seems to be a sticking point for all the RFAs, that they have a lot of money in their final year of their contract. And we discussed, we'll go into this real quick because I brought this up before the podcast. Timo Meyer, he's on a four-year deal. His AAV is $6 million. His final year in that contract, he's going to be making $10 million. So the Sharks have to match that. Right. And I kind of like lost my place a little bit because like, I was kind of getting a little bit into it. Kind of like, you know, Timo Meyer's a great player and not definitely dishing anything out against him, but... for that last year they're going to have to match that and is Timo Meyer kind of on the same level as a Mitch Marner Mm -hmm. who's making close to 11 on his final year is he you know I think I think the Sharks are looking for the potential that he will be I mean they don't have like as we've talked before they don't have like a superstar forward they have a lot of really good forwards though Um, I think for a lot of these teams looking at it they have three or four years. In the case of some of the defensemen, they only have three years in the forwards. It's four or longer. I think they're looking at a couple different things. I think one is that some of the bigger contracts for those teams might be off the books by then. They might be moved. You never know. Someone like Meyer, I mean, the cap is going to go up. Yeah, not definitely. Not next right. year, but like when Seattle comes in, when the new TV deal in the United States kicks in, there's going to be a lot of money coming into the league. Definitely. So I think they're projecting that the cap is going to go up. So, you know, sitting here right now or even like last year or two years ago, $10 million seems an extreme amount of money. Mm-hmm. But down the road, it's not. Like right. Sidney Crosby right now makes eight-something million dollars a right. year, which at the time was the max he could sign for, the max right. he wanted to sign for. So now, though, it looks like a bargain. Right. Tavares stepped that up, and then from that, it's kind of you see these younger guys getting these bigger deals, especially on their final year of the contract. Yeah, and I mean, all you have to do is look at how much the salary cap has risen from when the league came out of the one-year full lockout in 04 or 05 to now. The cap has risen significantly. Yeah. The money is only going to keep going up. I mean, not immediately, as we said, because it kind of took a hit this year. It didn't raise up as much as teams would have liked, but I mean, it's still going to go up at some point. Um, so moving on uh, to Winnipeg, we don't have an RFA signing there. We do still have the two holdouts, Patrick Laine and Kyle Connor. Um, there's not really been a whole lot of news on Kyle Connor. Rather, it's been Patrick Laine making a lot of the noise. Um, Laine said in a Finnish report, and again, translation may, it may mean something that he didn't mean in English, but it kind of doesn't seem that way. 
um, basically saying that he doesn't get a chance to play with the top players in Winnipeg, and he doesn't think that's fair for a guy of his talent. Um, again, Line A played on the second line, mainly with Brian Little or whoever the second line center was that the mm-hmm. Jets were able to find, um, and Nikolai Ehlers, where he didn't get to play on the first line, which was Blake Wheeler, Kyle Connor, and Mark Shifley. Um, just what do you think about Line A's comments about that, not being able to play on the top line? He did yeah. get first power play time. Yeah. He's a tremendous player, so come for me. Do you necessarily need to be on that top line and play with those top best players to kind of mm-hmm. throw a fit like he is? Not necessarily saying he's throwing a fit, but he's an amazing player. He puts up points, so no matter what, he's going to get his points. People are always going to know that he's a superstar. Yeah, he had a down year, but, I mean, come on. He almost scored 50 goals right. like multiple times on the second line. Right. I think the other thing, too, is like, from a Winnipeg perspective, and there's been a lot of noise about the Jets' locker room lately. You know, what's the dynamic? Is Blake Wheeler the right person to be the captain? Like, whether you agree with Blake Wheeler being the captain or not, like, he sets a tone for the rest of the team, and Line A doesn't seem to fit into that tone. Could be because he's European. It's a different, it's totally different for a European player to come into North America. So I think that's part of it. The culture is yeah. different. I think the other thing, too, is. You're expe- to be a superstar player, you can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be multifaceted. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember a few years ago making a similar comparison to another goal scorer, Steven Stamkos. When the Lightning went to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2015, Stamkos wasn't really scoring that much. He scored. He didn't score through the first series, scored a bit through the second and third, and then went dry in the fourth. Um, when they called him out for goal scoring... Stamkos tried doing other things that would make him effective. He made plays, he threw hits, he did a lot of other stuff. And I think you look at Alex Ovechkin, another comparable, where he was criticized for being only a goal scorer. But, you know, when the Caps won the Stanley Cup, he looked really good in all capacities. Absolutely. And I think for Patrick Laine, there hasn't been that desire, there hasn't been the effort to become something that he's not. And, like, I'm not saying you have to change your... Obviously, you don't have to change your whole thing. Like, Mm -hmm. you're not going to go from being a 50-goal scorer to being a guy like Mark Stone, who's a really right. good defensive winger. But you have to do more. Right. Besides goal scoring, yeah. what does he do? Yeah, I mean, he's a top-five goal scorer in the league, no doubt. But He's the heir be, apparent to Alex Ovechkin. Right, And but to be effective, like a superstar in the National Hockey League, you got to be great at multiple things, multiple mm-hmm. tools, not just one. Yeah, and like even just back-checking, like even just showing that you want to make an effort to do something else. Like, you don't have to be good at it, but at least you're trying to do something. Right. Like, there's been no improvement there. So I think that's what hurts Line A. Um, And the other big news out of the Jets, of course, is Dustin Bufflin. And Bufflin missed most of last year with a couple different injuries, um, concussion, ankle issues, different things like that. And Bufflin now has left Winnipeg. Um, well, he could be in Winnipeg, but he's obviously not with the team. Taking a leave um, of absence. Yeah, he's taking a leave of absence um, to contemplate his future. Maybe he's going to retire. I, could, um, I mean, I, I could see it. Yeah, he's the guys getting up there. He's 34 years old. He's won the Stanley Cup, um, and I think that like I don't think people understand like how much like that is a difference to him. Like if he right. hadn't won the Stanley Cup, and if Winnipeg was in a position to still win, like maybe. But like right. now, you look at the Jets, like. They lost a lot of their defensemen. Truba gone, Myers gone. And looking at the team as a whole, if Bufflin goes, like, they're in trouble. Absolutely. Especially if the other two, if, if the two RFAs aren't signed, like, they're going to be hurting. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know 
what the Jets can really do at this point. There was rumors that they had gone after Jake Gardner. We'll touch on Gardner in a little bit here. Um, but, you know, they obviously missed out on that. And now they they seemingly have to find someone else to play on the right side. You know, Neil Pionk isn't going to do the heavy lifting on the right side. So maybe they're looking at a guy like Justin Falk. But what do you think about the Jets' situation? Do you think they can be a playoff team at this point? With their offense, I think they can be. But they're going to have to fix their yeah. defensive holes. And if Bufflin goes, I don't think I can see them making it to the playoffs. Yeah, so let's say Bufflin doesn't come back and the two RFAs aren't signed until November, like late November or at the deadline in December. Like, I don't think they're Def- playoffs. Yeah, yet. no. I think they'd be too far back and those guys would come back a little bit rusty, I don't mm-hmm. think. Yeah, I mean, look at what happened with Neilander. So yep. they're not going to come back any better. Um, but yeah, unfortunate story for the Jets who finally had things going the right way and then... You know, within the course of a year, they're they're done basically. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be rough. We'll wait to see what Big Buff does. Um, he's been suspended by the team, which is important to bring up because his cap doesn't hit the team. Right. Um, so they do have a little bit more space. Um, I don't. I don't really know. I don't have an opinion on whether he's going to retire or not. I think if he's taking time off this time of year, I almost think that he's going to retire. Right. Because like, if you don't have the drive at this point of the year, you're not going to get it right. later on. Yeah. Now's crunch time. Yeah. Um, so we'll move on. We'll move on to another defenseman, um, and guy who was going to be an RFA, but now he will not be. Thomas Shabbat. The Senators throw out a huge deal to him: eight years, sixty-four million dollars. They get him locked up. What are your thoughts? I think that's a definitely great for the team. Eight years, eighty-four, sixty-four million. A lot of money, but then again, eight years. This guy could turn out to be one of the top defenders in the league, and that could be a bargain. Yeah, and I think like. I know Jeremy Roenick was one guy who spoke out. I'm not a big fan of Roenick anyways, but um, he said that it's a lot of money for Thomas Shabbat, but, like, look, it's $8 million a year. Like, all the defensemen are going to be making that money pretty soon if they're not already. So I don't, like, again, like, it's a thing where the money is rising, so, like, it's okay to pay the player now. And they got the money to spend, too. Yeah, exactly. Right now. Right now. And, like, this is a guy who was really good for them last year. Like, Mm -hmm. Eric Carlson gone, Shabbat stepped up. He's one of the young leaders on the team. He's really good for them. So I think this is definitely great. He's top 10 in points for defensemen, too. Right. Like, this is a solid deal. Yeah. Um, do you think this continues to restore a little faith for Senators fans, especially after they re-signed Colin White earlier in the offseason? I mean, it, it helps, but, I mean, there's still a lot to, a lot to work on. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, this is a step towards the run of unparalleled right. success right. that they claim they're going to have. Um, so moving on, again, sticking with defensemen. Jake Gardner, UFA, not an RFA, but he does sign very late in the summer with the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, pretty good deal for them, picking up another defenseman. I mean, like again, he's not a superstar, but he is. No. He's a puck-moving guy. He's capable. Um, maybe this spells the end of Justin Falk's era in Carolina because you bring in Jake Gardner. Now they have a, I mean, we already kind of thought he might get traded in the past, right. but now it kind of seems like yeah. he will be. Yeah, I think this is more, more likely than it was not, like a 75% chance that Falk was gone. Yeah. Um, again, like I don't think. Again, I'm not saying Jake Gardner is a star player, but I think in a in a certain role, he's going to be really good. Uh, he's think, he's had good years yeah. in Toronto. I think he. I don't think he's as bad as people make him out to be. And I don't think he's as great as some people make him out to be. Correct. I think he's just a good puck moving yeah. defenseman. It's a good pickup. For he's, he's a good hockey player, and he's going to probably do well in Carolina. Yeah. Um, so the other big news out of Carolina is that Justin Williams is going to take some time off. He's not going to re-sign with the team, at least not immediately. Might be doing what Mike Fisher did a few years ago, which is kind of step away or retire, quote-unquote, from the game. 
um, but then come back later on in the year. Maybe that's what Justin Williams needs. He's obviously an older guy. Right. Um, but he did set the culture last year, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him back right. at some point. Yeah, and he, he is up there in age, so it also just wouldn't surprise me if he decides to call it quits. Maybe he spends time with his family. He's like, all right, like, yeah. no more. I mean, this is a guy with a lot of miles on him. He's been right. all around the league. He's won three Stanley Cups. He doesn't have to come back. But, no. I mean, you know, time off could be good. And I think this is going to become more commonplace for older players. You know, take some time off, reevaluate, regroup a little bit longer. You know, obviously you're older, your body's beaten down a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if he resigns. Um, so move on to Washington, kind of just rounding out some news around the league. Um, they do suspend Evgeny Kuznetsov for three games. I don't, I don't remember what the title was. It was something like, I don't want to say it was unsportsmanlike conduct, but it was some, obviously some BS term. Right. Um, the real reason they're suspending him is because of the cocaine issues. Um, only three games. He didn't appeal. Um, I think that's the right call. I don't think you want to suspend him long term, but I think right. you have to set the precedent that this is not acceptable Absolutely. by the organization or right. the league. Even though this happened a while back, mm-hmm. it came out now. Yeah, three games is fine. It's fair. Kuznetsov knows it's fair. He's not going to fight it, and let's move on. I think it's important too to note that the team suspended him, not the league. Right. Like that. It's good on the team right. for doing that. And you know, it's not an easy thing to suspend a guy who's essentially your number one centerman. Um, it can't be easy, but they do make that decision. Um, Alex Ovechkin also too. Um, NHL media car wash. Um, brings up the fact that after his contract is done, he may not play anymore. What do you think about that? How long does he have left on the contract? He has two years, two or three years. So he's, I think it's three years. Um, he's got obviously a longer, a big contract, which he signed before. What's he now, 30, 31? Yeah, he's 32. older than that. Yeah, I probably he's, 32, 33. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I could see him sign like a one-year deal for like a team where he can win another cup. I don't know. I, think, I feel like one's not going to be enough for him. Yeah, I think what he said a lot in the media is that, like, if he doesn't feel he's at the point where he can play at the rate that he feels comfortable playing, then he might step away. You know, like, look at Nick Lidstrom. Like, Lidstrom was still really good when he retired. I mean, he wasn't, like, the superstar, but he was still pretty good. Mm-hmm. And he walked away because he didn't feel he could hold himself to the standard that he wanted right. to. With Ovechkin, maybe it's the same. But I just wonder, like, what it's going to be, like, what his standard is that he right. wants because he's still playing at the top of the league. He's still, yeah. He could still score 50 goals. Three years from now, we're probably going to still be saying Ovechkin is scoring 40, 50 goals. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I could see him sign, like, a one- or two-year deal at the – once this is done, does he stay in Washington or not? I don't know. I think he does. I don't. I don't. I think if he resigns, he's going to stay in Washington. I don't know. He strikes me as a guy who, now that he's won the Stanley Cup, I don't know if he's going to go to another team looking for right. it. And the like, Capitals are still good. Would he move to like a Florida Panthers to be with Bobrovsky? I just can't see it. I don't. No. I don't see him going no. somewhere else. No. That's I fair. see. I see him staying in Washington. Um, but it will be interesting. Like we said, um, theoretically, if he keeps scoring 40, 45, 50 goals for a few more years, he's going to get pretty close to Gretzky right. um, all time. So that'll be interesting too. But like I said earlier, I'm just curious like what his standard is. Like He did score 30 goals a few seasons ago. Yeah. Like He was down. Like People thought he was going to leave. Um, and then he got better. So it'll be interesting. Um, moving on to uh, the Anaheim Ducks. Um, just noteworthy here that Ryan Kessler and Patrick Eves will be out the entire season. Um, not going to play. Both obviously have been dealing with injuries. 
Um, if you haven't read the story about Ryan Kessler, I think it was it was in the Athletic. I think about like his injuries and how like really beat down he was with his injuries. Like you should go find it and read about right. it because it was amazing that he even came back from any of that. Um, I don't know if these are big losses for the Ducks because they weren't really producing that much. They've been injured for a few years, so it's not like too too surprising that they won't play. Big for the locker room. Yeah, I, yeah, definitely. I think especially a guy like Kessler. I mean, right. Eves maybe not so much because he hasn't really played that much, but Kessler played there for right. a few years before yeah. he like, started dealing with injuries. Right. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Just two more holes that Anaheim has to fill mm-hmm. to be at the top of the, top of the league. Um, not too much else to talk about there. Um, we'll go to San Jose before we touch on the CBA. Um, so the Sharks bring back Joe Thornton. Um, Thornton made some funny comments too, like that when he resigned. Doug Wilson said, okay, I want to give you eight years at $8 million, and Thornton said he was the one who talked him down. It was pretty funny if you look it up. Um, but they bring Thornton back, discount deal. Um, they make it clear that they are not bringing back Patrick Marlowe, so Marlowe right. remains unsigned, uncertain about his right. future. Um, kind of seen that way for a little while. One thing I do want to note on is they also like pretty much made it clear that however long Thornton wants to keep playing, They'll have them. They're they're gonna have them. They're gonna give him however much money he needs. Mm-hmm. But whether it's five million a year each year, he wants to play hockey. Yeah, that's, that's what they're doing because that's what he's done for that organization. He's had some injuries, but he still looks really good. Like right. he's still a good player. Right. I mean, he's not the Joe Thornton of old, but he's no. still putting up points. Um, he's obviously dealt with injuries the past few years with his knees. It looks like he could come back and maybe play a little bit longer. Who's to say? Maybe it could be the next year. Amir right. just keeps playing. Um, the other news of note with San Jose, obviously, is that Logan Couture has been named captain after Joe Pavelski left for Dallas in the offseason. So, um, again, another one not too surprising based off kind of the way that it was set up that once the Joes were gone, it kind of seemed like it was going to be Logan Couture's team. Right. Um, Burns alternate, Carlson alternate, Hurdle alternate, Thornton alternate, so strong, strong leadership group. Definitely. And that's been the case in San Jose yeah. for a few years. They've got a great locker room. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's it's evident. Like, they always find guys who can fit their culture. Right. Like, Evander Kane, like, mm-hmm. great example, made him into someone who fits their culture. And now right. he's a big piece for their team. Definitely. Um, so the final news that we'll bring up is the CBA. The league and the PA opted not to reopen it, so they're putting off a lockout for a few more years, probably until 2023. That's when the next chance would be. Um really big for the league. I don't think they could afford to have another lockout at this no. point, especially with so much like good things going on for the league with Seattle coming in with the new TV deal. Like it was only going to hurt them to have right. a lockout. Right. And I think both sides kind of realized that and both sides kind of took that approach of let's just get it done. Right. Yeah. Um, great news for the league, great news for us hockey fans around mm-hmm. the world. Yeah, and they again, we don't want another situation where like half the season is gone or the whole season right. is gone. Um seemed like things pr- went pretty civil. Um, from what we read in reports and stuff. So good for the teams, good for the league. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think that's pretty much all we got for this week. Yeah, short and sweet, like you said. Just kind of touched up on the RFAs. But shortly, preseason's going to be over, and we're going to have some regular season hockey. Ten about. days now, 11 days, 10 days, yeah. something like that. So we're getting real close. Right. So unless other more news comes out in this next week, um, we'll probably hold off until, like, one week of regular season play yeah. starts so we can get some news and notes Stuff like that. See what else happens. Yeah. So. Thanks for all sticking around. Yeah. Hope you guys enjoy. Um, enjoy the rest of preseason. Looking forward to opening night, and we'll see you guys soon. Yep. See you.